How do you feel about getting into a fight? Now, I'm not talking about bar fights or hot wars with conventional weapons. But fights about truth and the defense of it. Maybe you'd feel like running and hiding. Or maybe you would enjoy the surge of adrenaline. The kind of confrontations I have in mind are about our faith in Jesus. How ready and prepared are you if someone comes to dismiss, to belittle, to put down your faith in Jesus? After the sermon by Bishop Michael Curry of the Episcopal Church at Harry and Meghan's wedding last weekend, there was um, a Fox News opinion piece by a guy called Scott Gunn and it was widely shared and it was titled If you like the royal wedding sermon on Saturday go to church on Sunday. High on the list of comments below it was a stone thrown by one self-declared atheist and it was this. Church the sale of the unverifiable to the gullible. Could you answer that one? Shall we answer it? You may have had a quiet life as a Christian until now. But the time will come when you'll find your beliefs confronted, challenged and attacked. Increasingly, in many countries in the world, including the UK, this is happening. It's been intense for some time in Islamic or ex-communist countries. But it's growing now in the liberal, secular ones too. Will you be faithful? There's an American believer, a man called J. Warner Wallace. He is a cold case homicide detective who says this. Sometimes Christians don't realize how important making the arguments for Christ are until they're challenged. They stand on something they hope is true. Maybe their parents thought it was true. But they never really examined it themselves. <clears throat> Police officers, he says, wear bulletproof vests. They've seen in tests that these vests will stop rounds of bullets. Because of that, when they get involved in a gunfight, they don't cower or run away. They stand tall. They have a belief in the vest that is based on evidence. Evidence of having seen the vest work. When you know the strength of the vest, of what you are wearing, you can be a more confident, a more robust, a more outspoken Christian. Now, this defense of the faith, known as apologetics, has had some great proponents. There are modern works out there. You may be able to find and read them for more depth than what I'm going to share with you today. But Frank Morrison's Who Moved the Stone, Josh McDowell's Evidence That Demands a Verdict, God's Crime Scene by J. Warner Wallace, as mentioned, and The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. Today, I'm going to look briefly at the strength of this vest, our armor, if you will, and show you a few bullets you can fire back. Let's begin here. 
Did Jesus himself really think that he was God? Well, in John chapter 10, we can read, The Jews were gathered around him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you did not believe. I and the Father are one. During his trial in Mark 14, Jesus is asked point blank. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? I am, said Jesus. And you'll see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. The high priest knew what Jesus was saying because he angrily told the court, you have heard the blasphemy. So what was blasphemous? Well, that Jesus was claiming to be God. So we have these and other verses of scripture. Now, some may say the fact that Jesus claimed to be God doesn't necessarily mean that he was God. However, consider this. Plenty of people bad the truth a little to make themselves seem more than they are. For example, someone who wants um, a job in a personnel department may say, of course I've got extensive experience working in human resource management. I'm your man or woman. Look no further. A lot of people will lie if there's something in it for them. So what was in it for Jesus? Well, death. What did Jesus get for claiming to be God? He got tortured to death. Now, imagine the job interviewer holding a gun to the applicant's head and saying, So what is the truth? Have you really got extensive experience in human resource management? Because if you have, you're going to die. How long do you think the person is going to hold on to that blag? Jesus held on to his claim right to the end. Would someone willingly die for a claim he knew to be a lie? Second point. We can look at the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. In the Old Testament, <clears throat> there are many Prophecies. Some say altogether around 300 about the coming of the Messiah who will be sent by God to redeem his people. They provided a way for the Israelites to rule out impostors, to check the credentials of the authentic Messiah. Did Jesus fulfill the predictions written hundreds of years before he was born? I'm sure you will all have read Isaiah 53. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he did not open his mouth. Now this is an uncanny description of Jesus being crucified written 700 years before it happened. 
It's like trying to predict how Bath Rugby Club will perform in the year 2717 and getting it right. Someone might say, could Jesus have tried intentionally to maneuver his life to fulfill all the prophecies so that he would falsely appear to be the Messiah? For instance, Zechariah 9 verse 9 predicts the Messiah would ride a donkey into Jerusalem. A skeptic may say, maybe when Jesus was getting ready to enter the town, he told his disciples, go fetch me a donkey. I want to fool these people into thinking I'm the Messiah. This would be one way he could add to his Messiah credentials. But what about the prophecies that Jesus could not arrange? Such as the place of his birth, predicted by the prophet Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. How he was betrayed for a specific amount of money. Zechariah 11, verse 12 to 13. Or how the soldiers gambled for his clothes. Psalm 22, verse 18. It's been questioned, what if Jesus fulfilled them all by coincidence? There's a man called Professor Dr. Peter Stoner, and he did some mathematics. Unfortunate name, actually, isn't it? Um, But the chance of anyone fulfilling just eight of them will be around a chance in a hundred million billion. That Jesus is the fulfillment of layer upon layer of Old Testament prophecy is, in this respect, a mathematical stamp of proof. A third point is the resurrection. How do we know that it happened? Sometimes, skeptics looking for so-called natural explanations, throw out questions such as these. What happens if Jesus didn't die on the cross? Maybe he escaped, brutalized, revived later, and carried on for a while. But would that have inspired his disciples with the hope of a resurrection body? What if the disciples robbed the grave to spread the idea that he had come back to life falsely? Well, they would have had to move away a very heavy stone, unnoticed, whilst the tomb was guarded by soldiers, which the soldiers would surely have heard, even if they were asleep. Now, if we said that one of these so-called natural explanations could have happened, it would explain one part, the disappearance of the body. It wouldn't explain the radical change in the disciples themselves. Short time later, they're out there boldly proclaiming Jesus is alive. They were willing to go to their death for it, not retracting their witness even when facing death, as 10 out of 11 of them did. Now, where a contested incident or an event happens, the first question a good investigator asks is, How many witnesses saw things with their own eyes? In a courtroom, a courtroom trial, excuse me, eyewitness testimony, as we know, can send a guilty person to prison or confirm someone's innocence. So let's look briefly at that. 
Now, in England and America, for a long time after Elvis, the king of rock and roll died, there were sightings of him in someone's local supermarket, regularly it seems in Western Supermare, <laughs> buying some beers or a pack of cheeseburgers, or so people said. But Elvis never showed up again with his guitar, and the witnesses didn't come forwards. Well, this is what we know from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15. For what I received, I passed on to you, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living. Most of whom are still living at that point. If you were to call each of the witnesses cited in the New Testament to be cross-examined for just 15 minutes each, you would have 129 hours of eyewitness testimony saying Jesus came back to life. Now that would sit very well in a court of law. The fourth consideration is this. What's the case for Christ outside of the Bible? So I've mentioned some of the evidence within the Bible for the claim that Jesus is God. What about evidence outside that corroborates or backs up what's written within it? Now, there are historians like Josephus, Tacitus, Pliny, and texts like the Talmud that corroborate many things for sure. They also confirm that many people believed that Jesus performed miracles and healings, that he was crucified under the authority of Pontius Pilate, and that his followers, who believed he was still alive, spread beyond Palestine, until there were huge numbers of them in Rome during the first century. These things they tell us also, as well as the Bible. Now, archaeology too can play a role in this. But, you say, but, can't two different scientists draw two different conclusions from the same evidence? Is it possible that archaeologists who are Christians can interpret the evidence as confirmation of biblical accounts and those who are atheists and agnostics be more sceptical? Well, there's a man called Lee Strobel. He was an atheist newspaper reporter. And he sorted through the evidence of the case for or against Christ. For a year and nine months he did this. And he cites the story of a man called Sir William Ramsey of Oxford University. Ramsey was an atheist who spent 25 years doing archaeological digs, trying to disprove the book of Acts, which was written by the historian Luke. Instead of discrediting Luke's account, Ramsey discovered it kept supporting it. There's another archaeologist that Lee Strobel cites who carefully examined uh, Luke's references to 32 countries, 54 cities, 9 islands, and he didn't find a single geographical mistake. Finally, Ramsey concluded that Luke 
was one of the most accurate historians who'd ever written. Influenced by those findings, Ramsey became a Christian. Now, archaeological evidence doesn't prove that Jesus is God. What it does do, though, is provide corroborative evidence that the writings about Jesus are trustworthy accounts. There's another interesting kind of proof which you may not have considered as a proof, and it's this. Words that work when you put them into practice. The journalist Lee Strubble says, I started listening to Christian messages on relationships. And as I did, I had to admit that the principles in the Bible made sense. As he investigated the truth of the Christian faith, he knew that Christians believed that these ideas on relationships made sense because they were from God. He wasn't ready to accept that, but he was willing to try out the principles because they sounded so reasonable. When I began, he says, when I began treating my friends and family in the way the Bible said to, guess what happened? He says, my relationships improved and I started, as I started applying uh, the Bible's wisdom to the way I dealt with my anger, I found my emotions coming under control. When I started practicing forgiveness in the way the Bible prescribes, it eased the bitterness that used to make my stomach churn and my jaw clench. And this happened again and again in the areas of finances, stress, and character qualities. When I try living the way it says I should live, my life gets better. Where did all this wisdom come from? Is it possible that the Bible really is revelation from God? Is it possible that it really is God's inspired word? Oh yes. We here understand this because we've tried his words out and we've found how good God's wisdom is. But if you come up against someone who is unconvinced, you could say, okay, if you're serious, why don't you try the Bible's words of wisdom in just one area for a season and then make up your own mind if they work or not. My last point um, is one that many people find uh, is quite compelling. And it's this. All this, some may say, is this stuff of history. But what about life today? What's the relevance? Well, what about encounters with Jesus today? Wouldn't that make them or you sit up and take notice? There's a professor called J.P. Moreland, and he puts it like this. There's a whole other category of encounters with Christ, which are evidence for Christ's resurrection. And it's this. It's the ongoing encounter with the resurrected Christ that happens all over the world, in every culture, to people from all kinds of backgrounds and personalities. They will all tell you that more than any one single thing in their lives, Jesus Christ has changed them. This is his personal testimony. He says this, In three decades since I came to Christ, 
I've had hundreds of specific answers to prayer. I've had things happen that simply cannot be explained by natural explanations. And I've experienced a changed life beyond anything I could have imagined. To me, this is the final evidence. Not the only evidence, but the final confirming proof that the message of Jesus can open the door to a direct encounter with the risen Christ. How is it that a slave trader like John Newton can end up campaigning for the abolition of slavery? Or a football hooligan like Dave Geel can become the current chaplain to the players at Bristol Rovers Football Club? How is it that you are no longer the person that you once were? It's because Jesus Christ is risen. If you believe it, can you say, He is risen indeed? I can't hear you. Again. Your faith is a vest that can stop the bullets of other people's arguments. Familiarize yourself with it. Put it on. And stand tall. Amen.